At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Breaking news. Now, the latest on Russia's invasion of Ukraine. And tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, as we are talking about breaking news coming out of Ukraine, word that 11 million people out of the country of Ukraine have been displaced. Think about the impact on the world, everybody, as you're listening here tonight on the Rita Cosby Show, 11 million people displaced. And also word just coming in, some more breaking news, that around 5,000 Russian war crimes are now under investigation in Ukraine. That's coming from a Ukrainian prosecutor who also was doing a briefing about what's happening in Bucha. That, of course, is the suburb of Kiev where those horrible graphic images were released recently and where we saw more of them today before the U.N. Security Council. And President Zelensky of Ukraine went before the council today, and he asked the question that many of us have been asking for a long time. What the heck does the United Nations do? And I say that tonight because I cannot believe, when you look at it, that right now Russia is part of the U.N. Security Council. Russia's also on the U.N.'s Human Rights Commission. Is that not the biggest irony? Is that not the biggest slap on the face that they are still part of this sort of coveted U.N. Security Council, which was designed to maintain peace in the world? To me, that is outrageous. And the fact that they're still on the Human Rights Commission, that is shameful. Guess who else is on the Human Rights Commission, everybody, tonight? Libya? Iran? China? Do you think that there's maybe a problem with some of the members on this Human Rights Commission? This is such a farce, and this farce needs to stop. And I thought it was great that President Zelensky of Ukraine today called them out big time. And he also talked about these terrible atrocities that are happening in Bucha. And some of the images that he's shown today were even more dramatic than we have already seen in the last 24 hours. We already saw some of those images from also Ukrainian troops, also journalists and others who went in there on the ground and saw these horrible atrocities of people just laying on the streets that had been killed, their bodies there just laying discarded on the side of the road. There was a guy riding his bike who had groceries in his hand who was shot. There was another one with his hands tied behind his back. There were women, there were children. And some of the stories that we're hearing out of Bucha are just horrible. So tonight, I want to hear your thoughts 
as to what you think the United Nations should do, first of all. Should they finally kick Russia for once and for all out of the Security Council? I think that's a resounding yes, 110%. What the heck are they doing on a Human Rights Commission? Get them out. Get some of these others out, too. Have standards that the world can live by. Have morals that we can all be proud of, that the world can be proud of. And isn't it time to basically do something once and for all about Vladimir Putin? And I think it is time, guys, to absolutely bring in as much military might as we can do. Not boots on the ground. I'm not a big believer, again, of U.S. troops on the ground. But I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to isn't it time? Because there are reportedly many buchas out there. This is the area that the Russians were retreating from, that the Ukrainians came back in. So they were able to look at it. But there are still many areas right now that Russia still controls, especially in that eastern part of Ukraine. And I'm hearing from a number of people tonight that they believe what we have seen, these horrible images that Zelensky showed to the UN Security Council and that the world has really seen in the last 24, 48 hours of women and children tortured and men tortured, civilians um, brutally and women raped. I mean, these are just horrible atrocities, guys. Limbs cut. This is just horrific. If this is not a war crime, I don't know what is. And again, we are just getting word that indeed about 5,000 Russian war crimes are now under investigation in Ukraine. What is it going to take for the U.S. and for this Biden administration to finally step up and give them the military might so the Ukrainians can fight, not so the U.S. can fight, but give them everything? Because this guy is not going to stop. And there are reports that there are many, many more cases like have been seen in Bucha, not just in the town of Bucha, but in so many of these other areas that remain under Russian control. Think about what's probably happening in Mariupol. There are about 100,000 civilians that are in Mariupol tonight. Don't you think it is time to step up and not have this administration, not have us, America, we lead the world in democracy and freedom and rights and all these things. And yet this American president has really just been following and it's been breaking my heart to see it because we represent, I think, everything that's great about the world and great about American values. And yet we have really been just like following NATO and NATO, I think, has been doing a lackluster job. I think it is time that we step up and we guide them to step up. They're looking for the world to lead. And we're just kind of walking around tiptoeing through the tulips and at the very great expense right now of the Ukrainian people when these horrible, horrible atrocities. What is it going to take? What do you what do you have to see, President Biden? You've already seen these horrible, horrible images And I want to hear your thoughts tonight as to do you think it is time to now throw everything, including the kitchen sink. And I'm talking the MiGs. I'm talking these switchblade drones that are like suicide drones to go in. Why don't we do it now as opposed to saying three weeks from now or three days from now? Gosh, I wish we would have. Imagine if we are able to push out Vladimir Putin out of Russia so he doesn't come back in again and doesn't think about it again. If not... He's going to keep pushing and pushing and pushing, trying to take over every part of Ukraine. And you can bet what we saw in Bucha, many people are telling me, is just sadly the tip of the iceberg. Do we want to see more of these images? 
And why is this president waiting? He hasn't even done even full weight of sanctions. What the heck is he waiting for? Imagine if it was President Trump tonight, how different the leadership would be. We would not, I don't even think, be in this position. In fact, most polls in America basically show we would not be in this position. Most people agree with me that if President Trump was in power, Putin probably never would have done it. He would have been worried about what President Trump would have done. And right now, he doesn't seem worried at all of what this administration or what NATO is going to do, because look what he is doing to Bucha and look what he's probably doing to so many other cities in Ukraine tonight. Can you go to bed with your head on the pillow and go, "Okay, that's okay. We don't need to do any more. Do you agree that Biden is just kind of tipping, tipping and towing and wimping and wishy washy? Is that the way to show American leadership at a time where not just our reputations on the line, but I think democracy in Ukraine and beyond is on the line, and a lot of people agree. In fact, today we heard from Mark Milley, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, who said that he believes that he's never seen such a threat to democracy in his lifetime, and he said not just at U.S., not just Ukraine, but he believes it's really to the world. He really believes that so much is on the line right now. And that this is a pivotal, pivotal moment. The Russians are retreating temporarily to probably regroup and come back for phase two. We've already seen how bad and brutal phase one is. Do we want to intercede? Do we want to finally step in? And do we want to finally lead? We're going to talk about that tonight on the show. And by the way, we have a great guest who's going to be coming up in about 20 minutes or so from now here on the show. Uh, We are going to have Trump's former U.S. Ambassador to the U.N., Kelly Craft. Ambassador Kelly Craft is here to give us her take on the role that the U.N. has to do now, the role that President Biden has to do now, and what she thinks should be done to help Ukraine and also help the world and put Vladimir Putin in his place once and for all. I can't wait to have her here on the show, and she's going to be joining us about 20 minutes here on the Rita Cosby Show. Here, first off, here is President Zelensky of Ukraine describing what the images that we've all seen, but what he says is happening in Bucha, just outside the capital city of Kiev. This is what he said today to the U.N. Security Council. They cut off uh, limbs, cut their throats, slashed their throats. Women were raped and killed in front of their children. They were, uh, their tongues were pulled out only because the aggressor did not hear what they wanted to hear from them. So this is no different from other ter- terrorists such as Daesh who occupied some territories. And here it is done by a, a member of the United Nations Security Council And then he asked the U.N. Security Council, basically, what the heck are you doing? Take a listen. So where is the security that the Security Council needs to guarantee? It's not there, although there is a Security Council. So where is the peace? Where are those guarantees that the United Nations needs to guarantee? It is obvious that the key institution of the world, which must ensure the coercion of any aggressor to peace, simply cannot work effectively. 
And let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. Let's go to Craig on line four in Connecticut. Craig, your thoughts about what we need to do now and what the U.N. has to do now. Lovely Rita, meet her mate. By the, way, the re- by the way, the rest of that song is Where Would You Be Without Me? And I had a guy, true story, who had a crush on me. It's a Beatles song. And when I was younger, he would write one line of the, of the whole, like a verse every day on my locker. And I finally figured out it was a Beatles song. I thought he was a really good songwriter until I realized he was cheating it and stealing it from the Beatles. But go ahead, Craig. <laughs> okay. Listen. This is World War Three. We have to blast this Vladimir bitch. To uh, it's, it's it's over. I look at the people. Craig, you're getting a little. You're, you're getting a little spirited bitches. there. Yeah. No, you see the people being put into ditches. Oh, it's horrible, Craig. That's why I say to you, where at what point do we draw the line? Like to me, these images are so horrible. And are so horrific. And we are hearing that what happened there in Bucha is just a really a They're tip of the iceberg. Children. Oh, it's They're horrible. Little children. You have to blast. It's World War Three. You so have what, to blast them off the planet. So what do we do realistically, Craig? What do we do? I think to your point, I, I'm you know, I'm not into the whole open the door for nukes or any of that, obviously. But what I do think there are so many mistakes leading even up to this moment, Craig, but we need to let Putin know that we want Ukraine to win. And the only way that they can win right now, and there's a moment right now, Craig, exactly as you're saying, where I think they can actually push Putin back out at least of Ukraine and put him in his place. Um, and I think right now the key is obviously to get him out of the country and stop this horrible slaughter as you're talking about. And the only way I see it happening is by the U.S. and NATO giving every single piece of pivotal hardware that the Ukrainians are asking for. They've proven they can be great fighters and tenacious and courageous fighters. So what the heck are we waiting for, Craig? I mean, do you agree with me that we should be giving them the MiGs? We should give them more tanks. We should give them these suicide drones that, you know, we're not talking about American blood or treasure, but we are talking about giving them the weapons to really kick them out of the country. What the heck are we waiting for, Craig? This is World War III. We have to nuke him. That's the end. Wow, Craig, you are hardcore. I I don't agree with that, but boy, you are hardcore. And I appreciate your passion also about just, you know, what's happening and what we've seen and the images that we've seen in these countries, because what we have seen, particularly in Bucha, and as I talk about in other countries where Russia has been, I mean, you look at what they did in Syria, you look at what they did in Grozny. um, This is Putin's playbook. And I think the world is waking up to realize this is what this guy does. And we have to say we're not going to accept it anymore. And not just the U.S., but the world has to come out and say that. Um, so I hear your passion on that. And that point, um, I think, is an important one. When we come back, everybody, we're going to continue with your calls here on the Rita Cosby Show. You heard Craig. Craig is like, get him off the face of the earth. I wish it could be that simple. But what can we do right now? And is this now the point where we draw the line for humanity. 
1-800-848-9222. And you're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. Cosby Show. We are talking, of course, about Russia, Ukraine, as those gut-wrenching images have been released from the Kiev suburb of Bucha, showing women, children, and men, civilians, many of them with their hands tied behind their back, tortured. The images are just gut-wrenching and horrible to see. So the question is, what do we do now? Isn't this enough that we have to make sure Putin never does this to anyone else again. Isn't it time for the U.S. to step up and at least give the most militarily that it can? And what is the U.N. doing? Today, Zelensky spoke to the U.N. and said, you know what, why do you exist if you're going to have Russia on the Security Council that can veto anything? Why is Russia on the Human Rights Council of the U.N.? Are you kidding me? That's like a joke. This is unbelievable. So what is the U.S. and what is the world going to do? Well, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, had this to say. I mean, how can you say you're an organization committed to peace and allow such a brutal dictator that's killing innocent civilians and allow that genocide to happen? How can you do that? China's doing it to the Uyghurs, but this takes it to a whole new level. So if you're not going to acknowledge China, you're not going to call out Russia, what is the point of the U.N.? Great question. What is the point of the U.N.? And then she also called out President Biden, who she says really has not taken ownership of any of this and has not been representing America in the sense of taking charge and being a true democracy for the world, a beacon for the world. The thing that sickens me is the EU is going to act and then Biden's going to follow. That's what he's done this entire time. He's followed other countries. Never has the U.S. followed. We've led. Where are we as a leader? We are supposed to be the number one, you know, authority on freedom. I 1,000% agree. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to George, who's on line one. George, your thoughts about the fact that Russia is still on the Human Rights Council and still on the U.N. Security Council? I mean, that that is shameful. What, what does the U.N. represent if they're going to keep these monsters in there? Rita. It's long overdue. Russia should be expelled from the United Nations. Putin should never be allowed to step foot in the United Nations. Russia should be responsible for all restitution to Ukraine. Nobody else should have to pay. Uh, Russia should have to uh, rebuild Ukraine. And until such time as uh, Putin is prosecuted for war crimes, and Russia takes responsibility for what they have done. Russia should no longer be in the United Nations. Period. Yeah. Period. I agree. I agree. And by the way, George, you bring up a great point because how do you recompense? Obviously, buildings can be replaced, but the lives that have been shattered, I mean, how do you even recompense 
How does Putin recompense that? How do the Russians recompense that? By the way, there's a story, interestingly, George, uh, that came out, and this is interesting, basically saying that Putin is apparently sending the butchers of Bucha, which they definitely are butchers who did the to these, you know, these horrible atrocities to these civilians there, that he's sending them basically to the east to be on the front lines, almost to go to slaughter in a way. And people are wondering, are they doing that? Is Putin doing that to basically get rid of witnesses that could maybe be called in maybe a war crimes trial or somebody who's going to come back, like try to send them basically to be the frontline fight. So maybe they'll get eradicated by the Ukrainians and then those witnesses won't be around should there be a war crimes trial. What, what do you make of that, George? This is wild. I'll tell you something. There is a group called the Wagner Group. Yep. That that uh, Putin has, uh, they he's enlisted their, uh, their mercenary uh, tactics in order to kill Ukrainians, they have to be held responsible, whether it's Interpol or whatever agency, whatever international agency is, is uh, going to be involved. They have to be apprehended and they be, have to be held responsible. Absolutely. By the way, I 1000 percent agree with you because you're right, that group. Those are trained assassins sent by Putin's, basically, request. Throw the book at them. Everybody, when we come back, we're going to talk to former Trump U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Kelly Kraft, and also one of my favorite segments, Back the Blue. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents... Back the Blue. And in tonight's Back the Blue segment, a powerful story of some of the different calls that our men and women in blue get called on, including one where a woman suffering from a mental health crisis was fortunately brought to safety thanks to a quick response from a Vermont police department from New Haven, Vermont. The Vermont State Police actually requested assistance with a female who was walking up in the center of the road on U.S. Route 7 in New Haven. And it happened around 9 o'clock in the morning. Imagine that, a busy time. There were no troopers in the immediate vicinity at the time. So Sergeant Jason Willett and Officer Mark Barber from the police department in the area responded to the scene. Sergeant Willett arrived at the scene first and found the female walking in the middle of the road with traffic passing on either side of her. The female was experiencing an extreme mental health crisis and had fought with her caregiver, exited the caregiver's vehicle, and was walking up the center of U.S. Route 7 again at 9 in the morning. Wow. So Officer Willett grabbed the female, subsequently controlled her, and safely brought her to the side of the road to prevent her from being struck by many moving vehicles at the time. Police stayed with her until a rescue squad came, and undoubtedly their quick response saved this woman's life. The chief of police said, quote, this is just another example of the professionalism, solid decision-making, and empathy that our officers display on a regular basis. Basis And boy, what a powerful story. Imagine here she is in the center of the road and she is thankfully alive to our great men and women in blue. 
Well, we are talking about the crisis in Ukraine as some of these horrible, horrific images are coming, particularly out of Bucha, where women and children and men are seen tortured civilians with their bodies literally just showered on the side of the road, many of them with their hands tied behind their backs. And many people are saying that this is just the tip of the iceberg of what is happening in Ukraine. Take a listen. Here is President Zelensky today talking to the U.N. Security Council. I am addressing you on behalf of the people who honor the memory of the deceased every single day in the memory of the civilians who died, who were shot, killed in the back of their head after being tortured. Some of them were shot on the streets, others were thrown into the wells, so they died there in suffering. They were killed in their apartments, houses, blowing up grenades. The civilians were crushed by tanks while sitting in the, their cars in the middle of the road just for their pleasure. So when do we finally say enough and kick Russia out of the U.N. Security Council and go after Putin and all of his henchmen? I say, what are we waiting for? Ukraine doesn't have a lot of time. And in just about a minute or so, we're going to bring in former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. under President Trump, Kelly Kraft, Ambassador Kraft, is going to give us her take on what she thinks of the U.N. and what she thinks the world and President Biden needs to do now. First, here is a comment from Mark Thiessen, conservative commentator, about what he thinks of the U.N. and the basically curmudgel that it's in. The problem is, is that the U.N. is completely incapable of addressing these atrocities for one simple reason. 40% of its voting members are actively engaged in genocide and, and crimes against humanity. In China, the one veto-wielding member, they have over a million Uyghurs in concentration camps in something that the United States has declared as genocide. And now you have in Russia, you have a leader who is, who is engaging in the massacre of civilians in Ukraine uh, that is at, at the bare minimum a, a war crime and, and, and possibly genocide. And joining us now to discuss all of this is the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. under then-President Trump, Ambassador Kelly Kraft. Ambassador Kraft, great to have you here. Thank you so much for having me today. You know, Ambassador Kraft, what's your reaction to President Zelensky of Ukraine? He was pleading today to the U.N. Security Council to basically remove Russia or, if not, dissolve. Why do you exist, basically? You know, I can completely understand President Zelensky's anger. If you if you think about the way the veto power has been abused, you know, it has been abused as far as using it more frequently to protect individual countries' interests or, you know, actually for very cheap political reasons. And and from my perspective, from holding, you know, countries accountable. And this misuse of the veto is undermining the entire legitimacy of the council, and it's really preventing the Security Council from having an effective, you know, from really fulfilling its duty. And what is that duty? Rita, that duty is to maintain international peace and security. That's why they were formed in 1945. Exactly right. And so here, Russia and places like China as well, have the veto power. So what can they do? Can they be removed? Can Russia be removed? Because to your point, Ambassador Kraft, it seems stunning that 
they would be on a Security Council designed to keep the peace and have mutual respect. Surely what they've done has not adhered to that. Well, I think that you're looking at Article 27 of the U.N. Charter, and it's a little more complicated because if you remember, there are other countries that would like to also change and to be part of the P5. So once you begin making change, then you're opening this up to having to – I mean, we would like, obviously, for China not to have veto power. And, and there are other countries that believe they deserve a seat on the council as part of a P5. So at this moment, I think that this is something to, you know, to put on the back burner. It's more complicated than people understand. What I'm very concerned about are the revelations that we all witnessed today that were played out in the Security Council and for the rest of the world to see in Busha. I mean, these revelations, I would be very angry if I were President Zelensky because, you know, he understands this is standard operation in the practice of this war by the Russians. This is what they did in Syria. And Busha is only an example of what is happening in other areas. So I what does the world believe, need to do now? What do you think? Well, I firmly believe that the Russians wanted to drive all of our focus on areas that are free. Because if they focus, if we focus on Busha and the, the fact that these atrocities are horrendous, do you know this is going on right now in areas under their control and other areas that will soon come under their control? So this is basically, I believe, ethnic cleansing. This is no different than Rwanda or the Balkans. I mean, this is its systemization by a huge state actor to a subjugated population. This is happening every single day. What's happened in Busha is peanuts to what's happening and what's going on right now in Mariupol and what's going on in the east. Zelensky is not asking us to send our troops in. He's asking us for resources, resources to stop these atrocities. But we need to act. So I want to ask you, Ambassador Kraft, what does that mean? Does that mean, do you believe from your experience, and you know, you were a terrific ambassador, you know the UN, you know so many of these developments that are happening. Do you believe that Indeed, we should be sending, what, more military hardware? Uh, you're talking about the MiGs. What are you suggesting? I think we should send everything that Zelensky is requesting. Remember, he's not asking us to send our troops. He's not asking us to go to war. He is asking for military equipment to be able to defend Ukraine. This is what he's asking for. You know, what I'm concerned about, we talk about, and I think it's great that, that President Biden is, it has identified him as a war criminal. He is. And now we're speaking about war, you know, the war, the, the trials in, within the international system. That's great. But we should do that in, later on. What I'm worried about right now, and I know, Rita, you're worried about this also, is what's going to happen. Are more women going to be raped between now and May the 5th, the Victory Day, which is what I think Putin is shooting for on May the 5th, are more people going to be executed? Are more families going to be displaced? I mean, this is urgent. We have got to mobilize our voices. We've all got to be singing the same song together very loudly from both sides of our party. So do you believe, Ambassador Kraft, now is the time that, you know, united 
together, we say we're going to give everything we can. Again, still, you know, their boots on the ground, not U.S. boots on the ground, but give them everything militarily, um, clearly ASAP, because there is a narrow window. Absolutely. I mean, they're asking us to mobilize. They're asking us to to engage all of the countries that have been asked to to give, whether it's the MIGs, whether it's the 400s, we need to give more than just more than what we're giving at this moment, because Putin is driving toward whatever line that he can get to by May the 5th so that then he can offer a ceasefire. And I think we talked about this earlier in the week, the two of us, what he's going to do if we don't insist that we move his line back to where it was before the invasion. He's going to get where he wants to be, continuing future activity of of the same things that we've all just witnessed in Busha, and then he's going to start it all over again. These mass rapes, these targeted executions, you know, they're going into these cities, you know, they're checking people's, you know, their phones to see where they're aligned with. They're checking their 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 some of them are being released, some people are being detained, some are being forcibly conscripted. They're checking them for you know Russian nationalist tattoos. They're examining the inhabitants of these cities. We need to give whatever resources from the US, from NATO, from the world to liberate these areas. Now. Do you believe Ambassador Kraft, as chairman of the Joint Chiefs Mark Milley said today? that this could last years. Do you believe that? And obviously nobody wants that. No, no one wants that. But I, I, I don't know about years. But if what we're all witnessing is occurring, I believe it could be a slow process. And when in, in war lasting years, I think there's going to be a, a war on our economy. So there's going to be several unintended consequences that we're seeing now, whether it's from the famine on the continent of Africa you know, the lack of wheat, the fertilizer, the, you know, it's, it's going to be causing conflict in areas because, as you know, when there's famine in countries, conflicts arise. So not only will this war be drawn out in Ukraine, but it's going to cause other conflicts to become reignited. Conflicts that we've actually, the U.S. and the world has, has had success in mitigating yeah, it, it's been amazing. And just as you talk about, there will be more fallout as you're talking about. And some of these numbers are astounding of the amount of refugees that, of course, mm-hmm. keep pouring out of Ukraine. And that is going to continue. So there's going to be so many different mm-hmm. effects. Um, Ambassador Kelly Craft, thank you very, very much. We appreciate your insight on such an important day. And great to have you here, the former U.S. ambassador to the U.N. under President Trump. Thanks for being with us, Ambassador. Thank you very much. Wow. As she is talking about the ethnic cleansing going on. So what is the world going to do? And do you think the U.N. can do anything or are they just incapable? I mean, you think about all the times like the U.N. How many times like when things were happening at the U.N. And like I even go back and I think about like when um, there was like shelling going on and, and attacks going on in the Middle East. And like one side would get bombed and the other side would fight back and vice versa. And the U.N. would just condemn like one side. I mean, like they clearly have a political agenda. 1-800-848-9222. one 848 
two, two, two. Uh, let's go to Bill, who is on line four. Your thoughts, Bill, of what we need to do now. Uh, haven't we seen enough? Hi. Thank you for taking my call. I think it's enough of talking. I think the free world has to get together without putting boots on the ground, bomb the military bases in Russia. We could do that from submarines. We could do it from being 100 miles off Russia. We have to bomb their military facilities. It's not enough pushing them back in Ukraine. We have to hit them where it hurts, and then maybe he'll stop. Do you think that that would make him stop? And what about also, what about, you know, Bill, I just saw, you know, a report that they're looking at maybe sending some of these switchblade drones, which would be able, they're sort of suicide drones, if you will, Bill, where they actually go in and they can just, like, basically, you know, ignite on contact, Obviously, it's a one-shot deal, uh, but they could go in and take out some of this heavy weaponry of the Russians. Think about that column of tanks. When that column of tanks was there, how that would have been like an ideal target for it. Um, What about just even getting much more aggressive within Ukraine? I mean, we haven't even done that. I don't think that's enough because he's not losing anything. We have to hit him where it hurts. His military installations in Russia proper. Yeah, no, I hear you. I hear you. Bill, thank you very much for the call. Let's go to Elena on line three. Elena, what do we need to do now? It is horrific. What do we need to do now? Rita, well, we need to do two things. First of all, I agree with your assessment that Russia should be taken out of the Security Council and the Human Rights Commission. They were put in there they used their Soviet Union countries, Ukrainian Belarusia, as stooges to get votes when the United Nations was started. That's right. They stacked the deck. Yes. Right. Yes. And now they're doing the same thing. They're stacking right. the de- deck, but they have much more countries. So I agree with you. Russia has no place in the United Nations. Now, what can we do now? Yes, we have to use everything we have everything we can offer to help Mr. Zelensky. Boots on the ground? No, that's not our policy. But, Rita, take another point into consideration. Was the president of the United States a little lackadaisical towards Russia when the United Nations was started? Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. One thousand percent. Don't you think? Yes. And President Biden Again, lackadaisical, this conundrum is deflecting Russia's aggression. Oh, yeah, 1,000 percent. And if they stayed one more minute on the Security Council or the Human Rights Council, it's like a, it's like a dictator's row. If you look at the Human Rights Council, if somebody sent it to you, you would literally think it was a comic book. You know, if you said, oh, gosh, guess who's on it? Uh, Libya. Uh, Russia, Iran, you know, China, anybody else, you know, I mean, this is unbelievable. You know, I I mean, this to me is shameful. And it's such a testament to the fact that the U.N. should do what it is supposed to do. And finally, once and for all, set the record straight that they're supposed to be an organization for world peace, not a joke. 
And that's why it is so pivotal that they act now because the world is watching and the world's going to remember this moment for the history books. And let's pray that they act before it's too late for the people of Ukraine. We're going to continue with your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. And you are listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show as we are talking about these horrible, horrible atrocities that we are now seeing images of that the world is watching in Bucha, just outside of Kiev. And many people believe that what we have seen just in the last 24, 48 hours, which is stirring and horrific in terms of war crimes, that that is basically going to be par for the course in many Ukrainian cities that are still in control of Russian forces. Uh, think about Mariupol, which they have cut off water, food, electricity, everything in that town. Think about that. I mean, that has been basically where nobody is able to come in or out. Only a few people have been able to get out. A lot of humanitarian convoys that are trying to come in just to bring food to the people that are trapped inside there have been shut down, have been blocked by the Russian forces. And many people believe what we have seen in Bucha is probably going to be images that are taking place once the Russians hopefully have moved out of these other locations uh, that we will see, sadly, in maybe so many other cities of Ukraine. So when do we say enough and when are we going to finally give the Ukrainians enough military might so they can win and hopefully push Putin and the Russians out of their country. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Michael in Virginia Beach on line five. Go ahead, Michael, your thoughts. I take from your last comment that you believe that winning uh, for the Ukrainians is pushing the Russians out of Ukraine. Is that right? Yeah, I actually think that would be not just winning for Ukraine, Michael. I think it would be winning for the world, because I think if anybody commits these atrocities, which they clearly have done, uh, they're clearly war criminals and they're monsters. They invaded a democratic country. Uh, Do you have a problem with that, Michael? Okay. well, here's the here's the deal. Ninety percent of the Ukrainians speak Russian and uh, Either were born in Russia themselves, uh, legally and properly, or their parents were born in Russia. So you are taking the argument that Hitler took towards Czechoslovakia. You are saying that ethnic identity makes a person not worthy to live in Ukraine. All right, Michael, Michael, all right, Michael, stop with the drinking when you call into the show. But let me just make something clear here. First of all, first of all, there is no justification for a country to come in and take over another country that was a sovereign nation. I hope you know your facts on that. Second of all, do you think there's any justification for Russian troops 
to be doing what we have seen in Bucha. The evidence is clear. Please answer me on that. I hope you have some sanity, Michael. Go ahead. Yeah, here, here it is. I have the facts. In the fall of 20. Uh, uh, Michael, Michael, I'm asking you, I'm asking you a quick question because we have a little bit of time left. Do you think there's any justification? That person is a monster. That person is a war criminal. The facts are the facts. And and I'm not sure why you are such an apologist for a dictator. I'll hold on until after the break. Okay, good, because I can't wait to talk to you more. Hopefully I can knock some sense into you. Maybe the next hour we'll do that. We're going to continue with Michael and also your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Feisty, fearless, and fair. She's an Emmy-winning journalist from the White House to war zones, telling all sides of the story. This is the Rita Cosby Show. Blockbuster Hour here on the Rita Cosby Show as we are talking about the latest developments in Ukraine as President Zelensky was pleading before the U.N. Security Council today, basically saying, what are you going to do? You have seen the images and they are horrific. Meantime, also later on in the hour, we're also going to talk about President Obama, the former president who visited the White House Uh, Is he trying to help Joe Biden in the polls? I think this was definitely a move by the Democrats to try to do whatever they can to help Joe Biden with his sagging poll numbers. And he's been getting some really bad numbers, particularly for his handling, not just of the economy and of inflation and these issues, but also of Russia and Ukraine. And we're going to get to his lack of leadership in just a little bit. Also, Black Lives Matter. Now it turns out that they bought a $6 million mansion. I feel so bad for the people who were giving them the funds uh, with good intents and hoping to make a difference on race relations in the country. And now we're finding out, according to reports, that they have this very luxurious $6 million mansion Uh, And it came from donors' money. So don't you think donors should get their money back? We're going to talk about that also later on in this hour. But first, we're talking about Russia-Ukraine as some new developments are coming in that it looks like the U.S. is planning to send now 600 switchblade drones into Ukraine. These are these suicide drones that a lot of people in the military have been saying, Send thousands of them in. There are a lot of them across the country, and why not send those in? They're unmanned aerial vehicles. They're drones. Nobody's on them, so you're not risking anybody's life 
flying, you know, using that device. It's not like a plane where you're putting somebody in the plane. These are unmanned aerial vehicles. These are drones which literally go in. They're switchblade. They go down and they're suicide drones. They go into targets and they can have a devastating effect on a particular target like a tank or something else. So why are we not sending thousands of them in and why didn't we send those in to begin with? Why have we been so tepid with our responses? Because we are just getting even some more information that now the New York Times is just reporting in a little bit ago that Russian soldiers opened fire on a cyclist in Bucha. That was one of the scenes that we saw, sadly, of those horrible images of civilians and their bodies laying strewn across the streets there in Bucha, just right outside of Kiev, that now... The Ukrainians have regained control of. That's why they're getting a chance to see the horrors of what the Russians left behind. And the New York Times just reporting a little bit ago that aerial footage that they have seen that was taken by Ukraine's armed forces in February shows a Russian armored vehicle firing several high caliber rounds into the direction of a cyclist in Bucha. Isn't that interesting? This is back in February. They're looking at this footage that comes from February. And then the New York Times says in a second video filmed weeks later, it shows a dead man, as we have all seen, uh, on a bicycle with the same clothing location and damage consistent with the attack that they saw on film in the footage that was shot in February. Both videos apparently have been verified by the New York Times, showing that the New York Times is following through and not just taking Ukrainians' word for it, but showing that indeed a Russian tank firing on that individual and then them seeing footage, indeed, that that individual's body is laying in the same place, same clothing, same basic location, just for proof. And that kind of footage, by the way, is so important for war crimes to show to the world exactly what happened and to hopefully hold Vladimir Putin and his henchmen accountable. And boy, I hope that happens soon and not like drags out for years and years and years. Sometimes these war crimes tribunal things just take forever to actually come about. And people are suggesting that maybe the U.N. is not obviously capable of doing that. Maybe it goes to something like The Hague, or maybe even there's a war crimes trial that actually happens in the country of Ukraine eventually after they push the Russians out. That would be interesting, and that would be very powerful justice. Well, former U.S. ambassador to the U.N., Nikki Haley, said that she believes that President Biden has just been so tepid through this entire ordeal. She feels that he is afraid of Vladimir Putin. Take a listen. We have run scared from Putin for too long. Stop running scared and start leading. When you lead, Putin will retreat. He's a lot of words. He said he was going to take over Russia. He said he was going to take Poland and the Baltics. He's trying, but he's getting pushed back. Look, I mean, Ukraine's already, you know, retrieving territory back. That's remarkable. Let Ukraine win because a win for Ukraine is a win for freedom and a win for all of us. Absolutely. So why are we not giving every piece of weaponry needed? And General Jerry Boykin also called out Biden saying, what is the holdup? What is taking you so long? Take a listen to him. I think that the president has the authority and the capability to expedite the delivery of these things. I think there's a look, we've got to help the uh, Ukrainians to offset their lack of personnel, their manpower. They're outnumbered. They're they're outgunned for that matter. But we can equalize this fight because they have the tenacity to fight and win. 
They want to fight and win. They want to fight and win, and they have definitely shown that they are ready to fight everybody. Uh, But boy, what the heck is taking so long? Why is our military and why is our Biden administration just kind of slowly sleepwalking the military hardware that it looks like eventually we're probably going to give them? We're probably going to endorse the giving of MIGs. We've basically said other countries can give it, but we don't want to do it. We don't want to be a part of it. How is that leading? That's leading from behind. And boy, today things got heated on Capitol Hill. I want to play this for you because this is just unbelievable. Uh, this is Matt Gates, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida, going at it with Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, where he basically said that the U.S. military has been just so woke that they have been slow at giving weapons to Ukraine. They've been slow in even working on their own advanced weaponry. And that even right now, even though in this latest budget that Biden has put together, he has an increase for military, but it's very minor compared to inflation. It doesn't go with inflation. In other words, as we know, inflation is skyrocketing and he's basically increasing the budget by it's about 2 percent, which is definitely not in sync with inflation. So a lot of people are saying that our military has been weakened basically through all of this. And so Matt Gates tried to take Lloyd Austin to task, and boy, it got into, it was like a food fight today on Capitol Hill. Take a listen to this. You, you've, you've seen what's in our budget. You've seen how the budget matches the strategy. And so I'll let that speak for itself. Well, I mean, I've also seen that we're behind, Mr. Secretary. We're behind in hypersonics. We failed to deter Russia. Last year, so what do you, what do you, what do you mean we're behind in hypersonics? How, how do you— Okay, how do you, who do you, who's ahead in hypersonics? How do you make that assessment? I don't know. How, is, may, is I make that assessment one, because China is, is fielding hypersonic weapon systems, and we are still developing them. I are make that assessment because Russia actually used one. Of, By the way, your own people brief us that we are behind and that China is winning. Are you aware of the briefings we get on hypersonics? I am certainly aware of briefings that we provide to, to Congress. But it, it's not just the hypersonics. It's all over the world. Wow. Talk about a heated time. Let's go to your calls, everybody. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Uh, let's continue with Michael on line five from Virginia Beach. Go ahead, Michael. Uh, yes, you were saying that a win for Ukraine would be getting the Russians out of their country. And the problem with that is uh, goes back to the origin of Ukraine as a, quote, unquote, independent country in 1991, in the fall of 1991, when they declared their independence. But they weren't declaring their independence from Russia. They declared their independence from the USSR, which Putin and his gang also declared their independence from under Gorbachev and Yeltsin. All right. So, Michael, so, hang on. Hang on, Michael, because we, we don't want to go through the whole encyclopedia. What I'm asking you is today. Let's talk about now. And I will give you a few seconds to respond. You are trying to give some sort of justification for what Russia is doing. And there's no justification. I'll let you continue. Go ahead. Do you believe okay. Do you believe that they're carrying out these atrocities? Don't you believe that they're attacking a free and sovereign nation? Uh, have you read the Vincent Bugliosi book of prosecuting George W. Bush for the Iraq uh, war? 
Michael, we're talking. That? Michael, we're talking about now. Have you get the wax out of your ears? And you're welcome to call back another time. But have some common sense. Let's go to another caller. Let's go to Rob uh, on line four. Go ahead, Rob. Rob, please give some sanity after that one. <laughs> well, Rita, uh, I I remain steadfast in my reservations about Zelensky simply being like some hapless victim. I think there's there's more than meets the eye. It's more complicated. That you're means, sounding so like I Michael get, now. Get, like, are you and Michael no, no, like me, best friends or something? Finish, I got, I got, I got to finish the point. I will. I'll let you finish it. But you and Michael are sounding like uh, like no, twins no, here. Go no, ahead. No, <laughs> it's, it's the twins' no, night. Go ahead. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Thank God. I, now I like I, you more, I, Rob. Go ahead. I, I, well, thank you. I like you very much. Thank you. Um, I clarify. Where where men like Michael um, have missing pieces is that while I get his point, I get it, in the end, there it's pretty damn obvious that Vladimir Putin should not have made this move. And what's equally obvious is that he would not have made this move, as you point out, if Donald Trump were in the White House. Now, what does that tell us? And so, Michael, what the hell does that tell us? And so he and, and he's doubling, tripling, and quadrupling down, and now we've got atrocities everywhere. What the hell is his end game? What is Vladimir Putin's end game? What do you, you think know, it people, is, Rob? What do, what do you well, surmise it might be? Well, I'll first say that people see how smart that Vladimir Putin is, but I don't see a smart end game. If he thinks that his end game is to unify Ukraine with Russia and then everything is going to be kumbaya, then that's just plain damn stupid. So I don't think he's as smart as they think he is. Well, and, and I think and- I think, Rob, by the way, and I and I want to hear your take on this. I think that people like Vladimir Putin are so obsessed with power and so focused. And he saw when he went into Syria and he went in and other times that he has done, we've seen these, you know, this is sort of his playbook. And, you know, I rarely kind of say kudos to uh, Secretary of State Blinken because I think he has been really lackluster, too. But he did come out and say this is Putin's playbook, that the U.S. intel has shown that this is what basically he did. Sadly, these horrible atrocities, he did very similar in Grozny. He did very similar in in Aleppo. Um, He did very horrible things. And he kind of got away with it. And I think he thought, well, I can just kind of keep doing I'm Vladimir Putin. And I don't know if he, to your point, if he ever really thought the next step, it just was sort of hungry for power and hungry to kind of reconstitute, uh, you know, Russia in his words, um, and not really thinking of the next step. You bring up a great point because what did he think? He was going to, like, come in and slaughter a whole country and nobody was going to say anything? Maybe he thinks that was the case. And I'm happy to see the world is not accepting that. Well, I, I, I call it KGB DNA and look at his father while we're at it. But it's but I'm simply going to say that I don't see a smart end game at all. And it, he should have never made the move. And if President Trump hadn't had the White House stolen from him, this would never have happened. And as to the United Nations, um, I will just simply say that it's rife with corruption and malfeasance and they're feckless. And it's, I think it's, it's just taken over. It's infiltrated. So I don't think the U.N. is going to do much of anything here 
Um, I think uh, Zelensky did do a good job today, and I think it's for naught because the United Nations is not going to be able to uh, facilitate and process much of anything here. And maybe they should go the way of the forerunner, you know, the League of Nations, and then we would have to start from scratch. And but by the way, start- by the way, Rob, I, I sadly agree with you that I think they are. They're incapable, I think, of doing anything. And But I'm glad he called them out. Because look what he's going through right now, and I am so glad that he at least called them out and said, "What the heck do you exist for?" Because if you're you're the you're the peacemaking body, the body where you're supposed to respect each other, and Russia signed on to that. And again, as I brought up, even on the Human Rights Council, it's like a joke. It was Libya. It was you know. In fact, Libya, I think, was even in charge, if I remember, of the Security Council. I think, uh, or in one of the uh, the Human Rights Council. I think they were head of it at the time when all this stuff was going down in Libya. And then Russia. It was Russia's turn at one point at the beginning. I think of this issue. I mean, this is. It, it's like you can't make it up. It is so bad. But they need somewhere. The world needs to have accountability and have basically putting Putin on the line and saying, you must not go further. This must not be tolerated. That somebody needs to have the standard. And if America, sadly, with this president is not going to do it, uh, then the U.N., uh, no wonder he's calling to them to step up. Um, Somebody's got to lead. And we've got to see who's going to be that, who's going to be the leader in this. So far, Zelensky seems to be the best leader of all, sadly, amongst everybody that I've seen out there. 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. And we're going to continue with your calls after the break. I'm glad Rob had a lot more common sense than Michael. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. This is The Rita Cosby Show. And you are listening to the Rita Cosby Show as Biden is talking about more sanctions. Zelensky is saying, please give us the military might. Everybody is looking at sort of this victory day that Russia looks at at the beginning of May, which is not that far away from us, you guys. So a lot of people believe that Vladimir Putin is going to try to, quote, claim a victory in Ukraine so he can showcase it basically on that historic day. It's a Russian sort of victory day. And many people believe that that narrow window right now means that we have to hurry up and get military might to Ukraine. And I say give them everything they can right now. No boots on the ground, no U.S. troops, but make sure that they get the military support so they can win. How horrible are these images from Bucha? And we're hearing also from Secretary of State uh, Blinken, Tony Blinken, that they believe that these cases that we have seen in Bucha, these horrible cases of torture of civilians, that there are going to be scenes like that probably all over the country of Ukraine when hopefully the Russian troops get moved out and moved out fast. So what do we need to do, guys? 1-800-848-9222. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Phil on line two. Phil, your thoughts about what we should do now? And you heard uh, from, uh, what was that, Michael, uh, Crazy Michael. What would you think of his comment that uh, Putin basically uh, well, Michael, is reclaiming Michael, his territory? Then, Michael and then the following guy. There's a lot to unpack here. 
I think that the first guy, Michael, was basically saying he seemed to be describing the Anschluss, where the Germans actually forget Czechoslovakia. They marched into Austria, considering them to basically be ethnic Germans and took the country without a shot as they felt they ought to be able to. And a number of Austrians welcomed them. So I think that's what he was trying to say. I think he was, too. But it it was completely inappropriate and making it sound like he's trying to justify a monster's actions. Not only that, he made the point that it was Neville Chamberlain that basically said, oh, let them have Czechoslovakia. And with that ensued a lot of bad things in the Second World War. So the message really is, no, don't let them have the Ukraine. So what he, his point he made was basically the opposite. Yeah, well, that's typical. Um, By the way, that's typical for uh, somebody like that. I, I think he was, uh, you know, loony kazuni. And uh, I agree with you. You're a lot nicer than I am. <laughs> Phil, thank you very much. Let's go to Mark on line one from Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, Mark, your thoughts about what we need to do now to support Ukraine, to bring freedom, not just to them, but to the world. we got to stop this tyrant. Well, thank you for taking my call. I said it three weeks ago on your show, and I'm saying it again. We need to sound the alarm and release the MiGs that you've been asking for. That's all we need to do, release the MiGs, release those S-300 anti-aircraft weapons, and don't discuss what is on the table. I agree. Mark, I love what you're also saying here. Thank you very much for the call, um, because I love what you're saying. You're right. We shouldn't discuss it. We should just slip it in. And we should have done that months ago. Because, by the way, if Putin even had an inkling that they were there, it might have had an impact. Let's go to Dan real quick from Ohio on line three. Go ahead, Dan. Your thoughts of what we need to do. Uh, I'll make it real quick. Sorry to bring it up. Three weeks ago, I mentioned 10 million refugees leaving Ukraine. Yes. And I'm sorry to say that it looks like Russia's got secret collusion with India, Africa, uh, Middle East, and China. And they're looking for an excuse to enter this conflict. If that happens, your heritage, my heritage, we could see 300 million of our soulmates get killed in Europe. Oh, Dan, what a heartbreaking thing. We're going to continue with your calls after the break. Rita Cosby is on. The Rita Cosby Show presents Support Our Heroes. And in tonight's Support Our Heroes segment, this is where four airmen were awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross for evacuating more than 150 civilians from Kabul, Afghanistan, during the chaotic and very violent evacuation that took place last August. There were four members from the C-17A Globemaster Air Crew, and they were awarded the Great Distinguished Flying Cross at Travis Air Force Base in California. Now, the crew was initially tasked with flying in members of the 82nd Airborne who are helping secure Hamid Karzai International Airport during the U.S. withdrawal from the country. And then on August 15th, as we all saw, as the Taliban immediately seized control of Afghanistan's capital and thousands of civilians started to make their way hectically to the airport in search of an escape, the crew's mission quickly changed to one of evacuation. 
the conditions, they said, were like none they had ever seen. The airfield was breached and there were mass crowds entering the airfield. Still, the crew performed well under enormous pressure. And their boss said when they were honored with the Flying Cross that they couldn't be more proud of the way the entire crew operated. Now, despite the heightened risk at the airport, and boy, were things very, very tenuous there, uh, that and also very minimal manning, basically, of the air crew, they ultimately rescued 153 U.S. citizens, allied and also Afghan. So bravo, and how wonderful that all four of them received the Distinguished Flying Cross for helping citizens and also our allies to get to safety during that very, very hectic time. And speaking of which, I think about what a disaster that was. That was the most chaotic and horrible withdrawal that we did of Afghanistan. And a lot of people said that they believe Vladimir Putin and other evildoers, basically, in the world who were watching that were saying, oh, boy, what a terrible uh, leadership in the United States, that they just suddenly haphazardly left out of Afghanistan, left Americans and others behind, as we know. We saw those dramatic scenes of people chasing after the, you know, the planes, the C-130s and planes like this one that these guys were helping with. I mean, just an unbelievable, unbelievable scene. And so today, no surprise that the Democrats are trying to do whatever they can to help President Biden, because his poll numbers have been tanking. And in fact, it seems like ever since Afghanistan, his numbers have been tanking. There was a a big, big dramatic drop after Afghanistan where people were looking at the poll numbers and they were essentially saying, you know what, Um, this shows poor leadership. This shows not basically in line with our American values. And a lot of people are saying similar things now when they're looking at the way things were handled and have been handled with Ukraine. We were just talking how Nikki Haley and a lot of other people were saying, where's the leadership? Where is the leadership right now? Why is our president not doing more? Why is he basically way behind even NATO, which also has, I think, been quite tepid through all of this? And so some of the latest polls, if you look at them, there's a new Quinnipiac poll. It basically says that Biden has a 33% approval rating. That is a dismal rating for any U.S. president. That's a new low for this president, too. And that is dismal and really troubling and obviously a huge concern for him and for the Democrats because the midterms are right around the corner. They're in November. And so what did they do today? Well, they pulled out someone who they think isn't still incredibly popular, and he is with the Democratic Party, no doubt about it. President Barack Obama visited the White House today. Now, first of all, I want to get your take on do you think he can have an impact? Is this a show of the Democrats really worried at the midterm? Do you think that the Democrats are really in trouble, and particularly President Biden and his leadership And what did you make of the appearance today? Here it is. You've got President Zelensky pleading for the world to act, pleading for the U.S. to act, pleading for the U.N. to act. And then here's the optics of President Barack Obama and Kamala Harris and, of course, President Biden kind of mucking it up and having, you know, having a good old time at the White House. Is that the right time to be having an event? And is it just a show of basically how desperate the Democrats are to try to bring out anybody that they think can help rally the base. Here's a little bit of Barack Obama at the White House today. We help save the global economy. 
made record investments in clean energy. We put guardrails on our financial system. We helped turn the auto industry around. Repeal, don't ask, don't tell. But nothing made me prouder than providing better health care and more protections to millions of people across this country. And no mention of border. Of course, we know that uh, Title 42 is being lifted. Boy, is that going to be changing everything. That's going to be a dramatic development when that happens. Uh, Also, inflation, gas prices. What about some of the worst crime rates we have ever seen? There's a lot that they could be talking about, but they were out there talking about health care and talking about a variety of things. Health care is important. I grant you on that. Um, But still, it also was, I think, a sign for a lot of Democrats who were probably watching it today and saying, you know what? Boy, that guy is so much more spry than the current Democratic president. On one hand, maybe it didn't help Joe Biden because it just reminded people of this Joe Biden. Take a listen. And Sherry Brown says it's time to bury the label Rust Belt. It's time to see the, the what used to be called Rust Belt become the, 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 the home of a significant resurgence of manufacturing. We won't stop <clears throat> because you can't build a wall high enough to keep out a... A, a, a vaccine. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. Of the Iranian people. You just heard it. I mean, this is like constant. And in fact, if you'd watch the White House today, did you see it? It was like Obama was there. Everybody was like, you know, running over to him. You know, he still has sort of that rock star status within the Democratic Party. And you see it even with Trump at the rallies. People are still running over to Trump, you know, on the Republican side, running over to him. Um, Same with even Obama today, again, running over to him. And then there's Joe Biden sort of standing off in the corner and nobody's really talking to Joe Biden. It's like they almost forgot that he was in the room. And boy, did Barack Obama, I think the intention was to try to galvanize the base and get the base juiced up. But if I'm a Democrat, I'm going to be looking at him and going, huh? Boy, this is a very different president than the president we, you know, we used to have. Look how spry Obama is compared to this one. There may be longing for the good old days. And by the way, a Democratic strategist just came out recently basically saying, quote, everyone needs to come to terms with the reality that we're going to, quote, get slaughtered in November. And it's a fact. Biden's polling has, quote, gotten worse, not better. It's indicative of the fact that people have lost confidence in his leadership. There's nothing they're going to be able to do. That is a Democratic strategist talking about this president. And many people are saying the situation in Ukraine is just highlighting his lack of leadership skills. But don't worry, everybody, because if he's not available Kamala Harris's and her poll numbers are just as bad, if not worse, than Biden's. And this is how she's been handling a lot of those things. Take a listen. Remember her in Poland not that long ago? Is the United States willing to make a specific allocation for Ukrainian refugees? And for President Duda, I wanted to know if you think and if you asked the United States to specifically accept more refugees. Okay. (laughs) 
A friend in need is a friend indeed. <laughs> okay, I, I okay, so this time. Wow, that was just so awkward. And no wonder that the Democrats are saying they think they're going to get slaughtered in the midterms, that the lack of leadership by their own party in the White House is basically sinking maybe the party in November. What are your thoughts about the leadership style? And as we're talking about Russia, Ukraine, and the stakes could not be higher right now as we are dealing with a ruthless enemy, a brutal enemy that is committing war crimes in Ukraine. And we've all seen the pictures, and we have Biden just kind of mucking it up there at the White House And doesn't seem to be taking the lead on this in any shape or form. And NATO is like looking for leadership. The U.N.'s looking for leadership. And think about how different it would be if it was President Trump right now in the White House, how different things would be handled with the U.N. and also with the military in terms of support of the military and also indeed in terms of the handling of Russia, Ukraine. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Alice on line eight, who's in Cincinnati, Ohio. Alice, your thoughts. You're here on the Rita Cosby show. Hi, Rita. Um, well, Joe Biden has never been a strong leader. And I have felt that uh, UN has sta- uh, stands for unnecessary. Uh, Barack Obama, I think, still has a lot of power. And I would not be surprised if he was pulling some strings in the background. He was known for sending blankets. We need to help these people. And there is, there's nothing there. There's no strength. If Kamala Harris is elevated to the Oval Office, I think we'll see the same thing. Someone else is in the background, and they're not on the side of this country. So who do you think it is that is in the background there, Alice? Because you're right. Neither one of them seems to be. They're not pulling the strings even on a public relations standpoint. I doubt they're pulling them behind the scenes. I think it's Barack Obama. And I do think they brought him in to, you know, he he's charismatic, but he wasn't a strong leader. Right. But but, but he's still but it's but he's got a lot more. He's got a pulse, at least compared to um, to Joe Biden. My goodness. You know, Joe Biden. In fact, if you look today, I'm not you know, I'm not saying, you know, but he but he had definitely uh, he had a charisma about him. And if you're a Democrat, you're going, boy, this guy is what somebody who has life at least to him. I'm not you know, whether we agree with his policies or not, that's a whole other matter. I'm just talking about even on a visual Joe Biden was like, it looked like somebody's crazy uncle or grandfather that was in the room that nobody was paying attention to. But Barack Obama was not pro-military either. Someone is, someone's pulling the strings in the background and holding us back. They're holding back the reins. Yeah, and that's a great question. And the question is why. Alice, great, great call. Thank you very much. Let's go to Stephen on line five. Stephen, you're here on the Rita Cosby Show. What do you make of Biden's leadership or lack thereof well it seems like it might even be purposeful anyway Um, but as to why the polls are so terrible it's basically not so much his um it's first of all his policy but i think that the world that the american um, citizen is coming around to the true idea that this administration is so corrupt every which way 
that there must be some sinister elements within that administration that want to bring America down. You know, they want to basically uh, stymie its efforts at, at basically uh, controlling certain world situations, et cetera. They feel that America is not supposed to be on top of things, and they are willing to they, – they would probably prefer that Ukraine lose because that strengthens Russia, strengthens China, strengthens Iran. In their worldview, America is just a little too strong for its own good, for the world's good. This is – there might be a very sinister thinking behind all this. Now, if you think that's uh, uh, something uh, – you know, uh, strange to think about. Think about every policy that this fella has touched, Biden. Everything diminishes America's power, influence in the world, its strength, its economy, its ability to do anything in this world. So it would make sense that there is something going on over here. Yeah, there is something bizarre that, especially when, you know, as we were talking about even what's happening at the border, Stephen, I mean, our U.S. border, you think about our southern border, he seems to be in no rush to secure it. He seems to be excited that people are kind of coming in, many of them unvetted, most of them unvetted. It's just it defies logic that someone who is thinking about national security and world security would be making many of the decisions that he's doing. And you're right. They just seem contrary um, to the values of our country, most importantly, to the protection of our country. And they just they they just baffle the mind on so many of them. Um, Stephen, thanks so much. And everybody, when we come back, we're going to talk about Black Lives Matter. A new report just came out that says that basically some of the heads of it, guess what? They bought a $6 million mansion in Southern California. And they came out and said, well, we were using that. We're going to use that for meetings or other things. What do you make of that? And do you feel that the people who donated to Black Lives Matter, that they should get their money back? Do you think that this is just kind of payback for those who were following Black Lives Matter? They should have known better. Or do you think that many of the people went in with the good intention of trying to make a difference with race relations? And now it turns out they may have gotten taken for a big ride. We're going to talk about that real briefly. When we come back, what do you make of Black Lives Matter now reports that, A, they're also being investigated for their funds, but they're being investigated now for a $6 million home. Shame on them and how sad that it looks like they took many of their donors for one big ride. one 800 We're going to talk about that when we come back on The Rita Cosby Show. You're listening to The Rita Cosby Show. It's the Rita Cosby Show. Well, now everybody is talking about a brand new mansion. It looks like that Black Lives Matter, the organization that was pushing for social justice and, of course, was part of all those marches around the country after the death of George Floyd. Well, now, apparently, according to a number of reports, they use donations to buy a six million dollar Southern California home. And the group is claiming that they were using it to do meetings or to do TikTok videos and a whole bunch of other stuff 
But people are saying, wait, 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 wait. That was not why I donated to Black Lives Matter. And who could forget some of the rhetoric of Black Lives Matter? Boy, they were claiming that everything was, you know, was on fire and everything uh, needed to be, everyone needed to be held accountable. Um, And now it turns out that they were using donors' money, not for social justice, but to basically have a nice cushy place to hang out and live. Well, take a listen. This is Hawk Newsom. Who could forget some of the incendiary rhetoric? This is the Black Lives Matter New York representative uh, that was talking after the verdict came down in the George Floyd case. Take a listen. They think that they're going to go back to the old ways of policing, that we're going to take to the streets again. There will be riots, there will be fire, and there will be bloodshed. So there's no way that we're going to let some Gestapo come in here and harm our people. Wow. And remember how just the, even some of the like, just first of all, the tactics, like either you're with us or you're against us, or if anybody questioned even some of that incendiary language, you were basically branded a racist. Some of the things where you saw pigs in a blanket, fry them like bacon, remember the way that they were treating cops? Just horrible, despicable, horrible stuff. And now, and by the way, I do think there were people who probably donated to the group with good intentions, wanting to make a difference, to be a bridge on race relations and to try to help race relations in this country. And I think had noble intentions. I think other people were very much pressured by this group and scared to go against them. And now it finds out that California is looking into their funds. And again, included in this is a $6 million mansion. Is that what donors expected for their money? Well, this is what Judge Janine had to say on Fox earlier today about it. Clearly going to be more. They started with the husband of, I believe it's Patrice Cullors. I I may have one of the three women wrong, but they started with an investigation of him for a mortgage fraud violation and for some, I think it was pandemic violation. But the amazing part of all of this is that they, they claim that the members of the black community partnered with white supremacists, and this is to Greg's point, to report them to the feds, that the African-American community is joining the white supremacists to go after them because they're jealous of the success that they had. Wow. I don't think donors expected that their money would go to a mansion for Black Lives Matter. What does that have to do with social justice? 1-800-848-9222. 9222. Let's go to Norman on line eight. Norm, your thoughts about this. This is outrageous. And I feel bad for people who donated, you know, with good intentions. There were, there were companies that donated. There were individuals who donated. A lot of people donated to this group. And now they're finding out that they may have been scammed. Yeah, Rita, I don't know about the whole financial structure of BLM. I've known a lot of the members who've come to some of my anti-mandate rallies, and uh, I don't know what I don't know what the foot soldier pays to join BLM. But I, but the thing is, is that the organization was funded initially. I mean, that's how they came to prominence by George Soros, who put in two hundred and thirty million dollars into them. And, you know, he didn't put $230 million into the NAACP, okay? He put it into a Marxist radical organization. And I know that the financial officers are a armored car uh, um, um, murderer who was pardoned by the Clintons. So, I, I mean, 
I don't see anything good coming out of that organization. It doesn't surprise me that uh, the leadership are buying $6 million houses. Uh, yeah, isn't that amazing? By the way, Norm, isn't that stunning that it's a $6 million home? I mean, it's not like it's like a $600,000 like office. I mean, a six million dollar. If you look at it, it, it looks like it's like a scene out of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Um, let's go to Robert from Philly on line three. Go ahead, Robert, your thoughts. How you doing, Reed? It's nice to talk to you. Uh, I guess it now, BLN now stands for Buy Large Mansions. <laughs> wow, but, um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good one, by the way. That's a good line. But I don't feel bad for the people that contributed to them because Hello? Yep, I'm listening. Go ahead. We're all with you. We're all with you, Robert. Because BLM was founded on a hoax, on a lie, out of the Ferguson mess with Michael Brown. I mean, anybody with critical thinking, when they looked at that, saw that it wasn't what Black Lives Matter said it was, but they gave money to them anyway. So I don't feel bad for them at all, you know? You don't. You don't feel that they may have been, like, sort of pressured because, boy, some of the tactics were like, again, it was like either you're with us or we're going to call well, you it, out. And that, that it, I think, made it really, really tough. Robert, thank you, though, very, very much. I'm glad we got you in on the show. Um, and I like that. Black Lives with Mansions. That's the new moniker for Black Lives Matter. Everybody, it's been great being with you today. I'll talk to you tomorrow night.